Talkback Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe on ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill. Good morning and welcome to Talkback Gardening this Saturday morning. Good morning, John. Good morning, Deb. Good morning, gardeners, particularly gardeners who are thinking about putting in colourful winter flowering Australian natives because we're going to talk about putting colourful native plants in your garden. The question is, we often talk about the benefits of native plants you know, in terms of bringing back the wildlife, but when it comes to, to buying a plant to put in your garden, which one, which of the five corriers out there in the garden centre do you choose, or the six grevilleas? Uh, we're going to talk to two top of our uh, uh, plants people, and we're going to talk to Steve Linfield from Heine's Wholesale about putting uh, and selecting plants to put in the garden, and then we'll talk to Jamie McElwain for those that have got uh, limited space for a garden and want to put uh, native plants in a container. That'll be Jamie's uh, comments, and he's taking a look at some of the, the, the real winners. So between those two, we should end up with lots of colour in your garden. <laughs> and if you'd like to share your favourite uh, winter Australian native with us. Love to hear your views on the text line 0467922891. We'd also love your questions on the phone line. John is here to answer all of your talkback gardening questions. The number is 1300 991. I have a couple of ABC Gardening Australia magazines to give away as well a little bit later in the program. And later in the program, we're also going to take a look at whether white snails, small white snails, are they a problem? across Adelaide and maybe beyond. The results are preliminary results of a survey which was stimulated by ABC Talkback Gardening and the Good Gardening Newsletter. But more of that later. Wonderful. Well, let's get into the blooming, lovely Australian natives. Yes, and... Uh, just listening to listeners, they're very interested in Australian native plants, particularly uh, for their ability to bring back some of the wildlife. But there are other benefits of Australian native plants, and that is probably one of the biggest is the fact that they provide colour in winter. Why is it so? <laughs> Why do they flower in winter when most of the exotics flower in spring and summer and autumn? Let's start off their discussion by talking to Steve Lindfield. Steve is the go-to person where uh, native plants, in fact all kinds of plants are concerned. He's a walking encyclopedia on uh, different uh, plants for your garden. And let's say good morning to you, Steve. Good morning, John. How are you? Yeah, nice for you to have you on the program. Listen, could you just make a, a short comment on why is it that the native plants flower in winter when most of the exotics flower at different times of the year? Well, I think they've just adapted that way to our Australian climate. We have our rainfall mainly in winter. And uh, from my observation, um, most of the native trees and shrubs will flower in winter for that reason. We, we have a very, as you know, a very dry summers here, so a lot of the um, plants go into shutdown, basically. Sometimes I think the plants are smarter than us. They figured I think it out. So, John. <laughs> yeah. the, the rain comes down and waters them, whereas uh, during summer we're out there with a hose and the yeah, with the silly ones. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The other little area I'd like to just a, a comment from you is uh, in terms of maintenance. Uh, there is a perception that uh, Australian native plants just don't need maintenance. That you plant them and walk away and forget them. Could you comment on that one? 
Mm, well, this is uh, you know, not, not really true, is it? it? I mean, I think with most things, you need to give natives at least one trim a year. Depends on the on the species, obviously, but um, some of the larger shrubs and obviously trees, you wouldn't have to do that. But the smaller shrubs and mid-range height shrubs, you'd you basically give one. You could give them one light clip. Yeah. Is there a, a best time? Some people like to prune things in winter. Others sort of prune <laughs> in summer. When's the right? Well, t- or is there a right time for Australian natives? Well, my comment there is that I mean you don't want to be pruning something when it's just about to flower so generally i think just after flowering is an observation just after flowering really is the best time and at that time you can also give um, a bit of a light some fertilizer okay so let's now drill down to the issue i think that uh, many listeners probably are looking for steve they've probably got their pencil and paper poised (laughs) i do (laughs) (laughs) and uh, so what i've asked you is just to pick out uh, four or five of the uh, australian plants which really thrive in and look good in in gardens what's at the top of your list Oh, look, uh, one stands out at the moment for me, like a, a two-metre shrub is um, Allegyne West Coast Gem, which is a well, common name, a native hibiscus. Yes. But that, that, that flower is such a large flower, stunning flower, and it flowers for months. So if you've got a corner for that, that's a great one. Um, obviously, the couriers. What, what, what I'll do, as you go through them, once you've described yeah. them, I'll just repeat the name because people sort of are saying Allegoin. <laughs> uh, and Allegoin is, uh, I'm awful on spelling, it's L O A L O G Y N. That's right, it's a difficult one, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, has it got an E on the end of it? <laughs> it has. <laughs> okay, so Allegoin, and that was West, West Coast, was the one that you reckon. That's the West be... Coast, and, and there's a new one coming out, um, believe it or not, called East Coast Gem, which is supposed to be more compact, but um, yeah. Okay, so it, yeah, and that's the interesting thing is that there are a lot of newer varieties coming onto them, or they're not a, new varieties, they're better or improved forms of what's been out there for quite yes. some time. Okay, so there we are, Allegoin, and simply because it flowers for such a long time, and people, I think, could relate with the hibiscus-type flowers. Uh, what's next on your list there, Steve? Uh, look, a few of my favourites. Um, if you want something taller, like Grevillea Moonlight is a really nice, taller Grevillea. Beautiful cream-white flowers, large flowers. Uh, brings in the honey-eaters and other birds, larger larger birds. Um, also, honey gems and the... Same height range. So honey, honey gem, honey that's gold. the name of another one, is it? That's Grevillea honey gem, yes. Uh, right, okay. So that's uh, moonlight and honey gem. Right, uh, while we're talking Grevilleas, uh, mm. again, uh, often you'll find that people have fallen in love with a very, very uh, floriferous uh, Grevillea and uh, the leaves go all yellow. Um, uh, perhaps just a comment on the kind of soils that most Grevilleas prefer and then which are the ones which perhaps have got the greatest tolerance to our alkaline soils? Yes, a lot of them don't like um, high alkaline soils, but a lot of them will tolerate alkaline soil, but um, the ones generally that have greater tolerance are anything that is derived from rosemarinifolia. If you're looking at a label at your local nursery, if you look for that, 
that would be um, probably a, a good lead. Yeah, OK. And there's various <coughs> hybrids of that. Right. So rosemary and Ophelia, are there different forms of that or better forms of rosemary and Ophelia, uh, that yeah. may be... Sorry, there's one around uh, at the moment fairly popular called Crimson Villia. Crimson? And that has a Villia, V-I-L-L-E-A. Oh, beautiful, yeah. And it has a fairly spiky, fine spiky leaf, but it has bright red flowers. So that's pretty popular. Yeah, and uh, the rosemarinifolia tends, uh, it's it, a bit like sort of your uh, allegoin, isn't it? It just flowers for such a long time. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, coming back to your Gravillia Moonlight, and what was the other one mm. besides Moonlight? Uh, honey Gem. Oh, Honey Gem. Okay. In terms of their uh, tolerance to limestone soils, uh, are they good or not so good? Oh, look, they're, they are, they're quite tolerant. Um, I've seen them growing in a lot of different areas of Adelaide, and out the north here where I live. Um, they do very well, and it's very hot and dry out here as well. Uh, I think the key thing there with a lot of these things is um, the drainage, good good soil drainage. Aha, uh-huh. yes, okay, we might come mm. back to sort of that shortly. Uh, so that's three uh, Grevilleas. <laughs> Any more on the Grevillea <laughs> list or do we move on? Oh, look, I could, um, there's, there's a few <laughs> few other smaller Grevilleas. Um, sea spray is one which only grows to about a metre. That has a soft grey foliage and a bright red flower. Okay, that would be suitable a as a ground cover or does it... Uh... Um, that's more of a, a rounded shrub. Oh, okay. Um, if you want to look at a ground cover, there's a new one uh, called New Blood, uh, which is self-explanatory flower colour, um, blood red, and grows to 25 centimetres tall, but is spreading and mounding. Okay, that's one that I haven't come across. That's Grevillea. Did you say New Blood? New Blood. Yeah, New Blood. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever thinks of the names, I reckon, should be uh, congratulated. <laughs> they should be, shouldn't they? Yeah. I'd like to mention too, John, there's a new, new one coming out called Legacy Flame, which is in the same vein, but I believe the, some of the proceeds for that are going towards the um, Vietnam vets. Oh, that's so a good be idea. Yeah, remembrance-type plants. Uh, the Rose Societies, yeah. I think, are doing that brilliantly with their uh, Mother's Love and, and Remember yes. Me and all of those. And I think uh, Australian plants to be able to do the same thing. And obviously, with Legacy Flame, you can imagine the colour on that one. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. OK, so let's move from the Grevilleas. And yeah. uh, what's the next species you'd like to ch- talk about? Uh, well, Westringia is a... Uh, are pretty hardy, adaptable in most soils. Um, there's three or four of those I'd like to talk about. Naringa is one. That's spelled N-A-R-I-N-G-A. Naringa. Now, that's a variety that grows to about a metre and a half. Yes. It can be pruned back, but um, very dark grey-green foliage and uh, um, pale lilac flowers. Um We've also used that for um, topiarising, and you can hedge that as well to a thick hedge. Yeah, can I just uh, go uh, sideways for a moment? Uh, when people <laughs> ring up uh, for what kind of a plant can they put in the garden, and mm-hmm. it's very, very difficult when you haven't seen the garden. And invariably, uh, my go-to plant, would you believe, is a Westringia, simply because <laughs> <laughs> they are so tough. They'll grow in That's full right. sun, they'll take semi-shade, they'll take yeah. all kinds of soils, and they keep on flowering for such a long time. So that's Naringa, 
was uh, 1.5 metres and with a dark foliage. In terms of its flower, what uh, is it a, an intense flower or just a, a light flower? Oh, I would say it's a light flower. Yes. So it's a combination of foliage and flower effect. There are a lot of new restringers coming onto the market. Perhaps uh, uh, just highlight a couple more. Uh, look, the one we um, uh, had a lot of um, call for is grey box, which is um, that that's a great one because it's a naturally domed, small growing westringer. Yes. Um, it'll just grow into a dome. In fact, you know, it, it, there again, it's good for a, if you want that for, semi-formal look in the garden. Um, has a white flower, and there again, grey foliage. Oh, right. Uh, so rather than having a topiary plant, uh, one of the English uh, boxes yeah. that probably uh, uh, dies on you <laughs> when, uh, just right. when uh, you're wanting to look good, uh, a grey box yeah. might be a suitable uh, topiary-type plant. Yes, yes. That's absolutely brilliant. right So we've done allegoins, grevilleas, westringias. Uh, another one. You want something other than Westringia? Oh, well, if you've got another Westringia, yeah, oh, why not? I've <laughs> <laughs> got a couple here you're going, uh, John. But um, uh, I, I, was uh, told, I was told amongst uh, your uh, colleagues at, at Heinis, you're, you're referred to as the Oracle. <laughs> I, I, think that's, I think that's come with my age, actually, John. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, with age comes wisdom. Uh, so they say. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, so one more Westringia. So, okay, another one um, is uh, Aussie Box, um, which is a great name, isn't it, for an Australian um, hedging plant? Yeah, Aussie Box. <laughs> so, okay. great, great one if somebody wants to get yeah, get away from the the Buxus hedges and um, do something different. Um, has a um, mauve coloured flower and a um, a grey foliage, a dark grey green foliage. And hedges up beautifully. All right, so and if you're growing nice it, a, if, yeah, if you're growing it as a hedge, do you have to constantly clip it, or is it? You know, how often would you need to just keep it tidy? Oh, look. To be honest, I mean, most of these hedges, two or three times a year, would be enough. If you if you want to be religious about you know keeping it squared up, yeah. All right. Well, maybe one more uh, <laughs> variety, and, and, and then I think Deb is starting to get uh, some uh, feedback from uh, yes, our a, listeners. Yes, a few comments and questions sure. on the text line to put sure, to you, Deb. Steve, if you don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so one more, yeah, and then fine. we go into uh, the listeners. Okay, do you want to... Um, what about Corriers, John? Oh, absolutely, yes. Just, we can't, just can't on that, <laughs> can I just say, I just got a text through um, on Corriers just saying... If I can find it, um, I have a Corrier bought and planted in our sesquicentennial year, special release, still growing in an almost vertical bank of almost rock at Aldgate, no special care given over all of these years. That's from Sue and Aldgate. Okay. Wow. <laughs> well, that's, that's right. something for so some, yeah, some lovely ones out there. Which ones would you put at the top of your list? Uh, look, I like the old and tried proven ones, John. I like, um, well, Dusky Bells is one that um, is a da- very adaptable. It'll grow in a bit of light shade as well. Yes. Um, also, Coria Alba. This Coria Alba has that lovely silver foliage. Right. Now, Alba so to can... me is, is a fairly large kind of a shrub. Is that correct? Or yeah, they... Alba, um, well, there again, it can be um, trimmed down. In fact, um, you know, there's a few people who does a designer. Gardeners using it as a, a topiary sphere. Um, 
but it's a great one for mixing through, you know, like if you've got exotics as well, you get that silver in the background. Okay, so if you've, white, got, white if, you, yeah, if you've got sort of uh, some Coria Elbers mixed up with, say, uh, the grey foliage of a West Ringer, you'd get a nice effect there, wouldn't you? Yeah. And for a little sparkle of colour, get a maybe uh, a Geraldton Wax. <laughs> you went to Geraldton yeah. Wax? With Geraldton Wax. Yeah. Are you <laughs> well, into them? Or what's, what's your well, opinion of those as a garden plant? Look, I, I love them. They're, they're kind of one of those plants that... Um, were around in the 60s, weren't yeah, they, John? that's right. <laughs> yeah. to tell you that, but uh, anyway... Um, so, okay, so but, we'll, yeah, we'll come I back to your Coria. So we've got uh, Dusky Bells, that's a nice little smaller one, and Elba is sort of a, a good sort of shrub. Uh, what else would you put in the Coria class? Okay, there's, there's Coria, one we grow called Coria Red X, which is a reflexiform. Now, this one has a really dark green foliage, really tiny leaves but it loads itself with masses of narrow red flowers okay tip, tip yellow yes that's a really good one why was um, it called red x is there a reason i don't i don't know where that name come from sorry okay it's got a couple it's got a couple, it's got a couple of names it's, they call it bet's red as well but i don't know where that came in right. okay listen i need to stop uh, me firing questions at you because deb can't wait to have <laughs> yeah, a go so with I'm, I'm giving john the the evil eye so many texts coming through um just just <laughs> not really uh, just on the issue of why they actually bloom when they do ben from Oruru says australian natives flower mainly in winter to provide sustenance to our birds, etc. And Julie echoes that saying, I think our aromophilas are flowering now because the honey eaters need them. So that's just a couple of observations. Lorraine from Laura says, we give our natives a light prune and call it a kangaroo prune as that's what happens in the scrub. <laughs> but Tony at Monato wants to know, Steve, do you have any suggestions for natives that are less palatable to kangaroos? Oh, there's an interesting one. Well, that is an interesting yeah, one. I, I, I don't I'm think you carry out trials. I don't think Carl Heine would allow you to have kangaroos uh, <laughs> in, in a trial out there. No, Professor, I, I, I can't elaborate on that one. Sorry. No, okay. Okay. Well, just if, if, but if there's a listener out there that's uh, got the solution, uh, you know what to do. Send yeah, Deb a text. Exactly. Do that. Um, and Graham on a hill somewhere says, uh, you haven't explained the importance of plants indigenous to a particular region. In the raft of grevilleas listed, no mention made of the Fleuria Peninsula's only indigenous grevillea, Lavendulacea? Lavendulacea. Strangely enough, it's the only one I hadn't mentioned, but uh, or I was going to mention. But uh, um, So yeah, Lavendulacea, um, yeah, it is endemic to... Um, parts of South Australia. There's lots of different forms of it. Um, in fact, um, we actually grow a form uh, called Winter Delight, which is a, has a silver leaf and a bright red flower. Um, but there are other um, other forms of it. If you um, if you were to walk through Aldinga Scrub, for instance, you would see lots of different forms. Yes, and Trees um, for Life is a, a wonderful organisation for growing plants native plants for specific regions. So if you're interested in getting regionally mm. specific plants, uh, try Trees for Life. But uh, uh, we're talking about general plants. Uh, Steve, I think well, that... we uh, need... Uh, is there any more text there, Deb? Oh, look, a lot of comments. Um, Jesse and Mitchum saying, my favourite is Old Man Saltbush. It's feeding <laughs> me all year round. I use it like spinach. For flowers, I love Eremophila, especially the purple flowering ones. Got a giant... 
Now, how do I say it? It's Al Yug- How do I say it, Steve? Al Yugain. Al Yugain. And someone's correcting our spelling <laughs> as in A-L-Y-O-G-Y-N-E. Oh, is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. That is okay, correct. thank you, whoever sent that through. <laughs> um, so, uh, And um, this texter says, why are the origins of Australian natives from Greek words? Now, that might not be your special area, Steve. No, no just an interesting comment. Yeah. I think we need to stop. Uh, Steve, I think when uh, it's the first time Steve's been on radio, <laughs> he was a bit apprehensive. <laughs> and I said to him, look, you'll be surprised at how quickly uh, time has gone. It Do you sure realise you've been going for 20 minutes non-stop, Steve? And we have to stop <laughs> simply because uh, the program must go on. Thank you very much for your contribution uh, this morning. And uh, maybe we can chat about native plants uh, uh, or other plants uh, at a future yeah. time. Oh, you're welcome, John. Thanks for asking me on. Thanks, Steve. Great to have you Thanks, aboard. Steve, Steve okay. Linfield, thank you. Horticulturalist from Heine's Wholesale Nursery. We'll be talking about Australian natives you can put in plants in a smaller garden in just a moment. Talk Back Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe on ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill. It's clear from the many texts that we're receiving on the text line 0467922891 that you love your Australian natives. I'll get to as many as I can. But if you'd like to jump on the queue now for a general Talk Back Gardening question, call in now on 1300 991. Jamie McIlwain is our go-to landscaper, but he has a wonderful knowledge of plants as well. And as a person that not only landscapes, he also has to provide a service of looking after them. So he he goes back and, and has a pretty good idea of the plants that do survive and, and are a top bill. I'd like you, Jamie, after saying good morning to I should say hello... <laughs> Oh, good day, John and Deb. Uh, it was uh, it was great hearing Steve on the radio this morning. He's a, a guy I deal with at Heine. He's a lovely chap, and uh, uh, as you alluded to, a fountain of knowledge. Yeah, the wholesale um, nurseries in South Australia, I think, are absolutely brilliant. But anyway, uh, Steve was talking about plants to put in the garden, and I would like, if you wouldn't mind, to, for you to focus on those that thrive in a container. Many people have a small garden and planting, uh, putting a, uh, plants in containers is, is one way around that particular problem. How adaptable generally are native plants to growing in containers? Yeah, pretty good. I mean, everyone knows that native plants, generally speaking, like a sort of free-draining uh, media or soil to grow in, um, and having them in containers allows for that. Um, certainly there are certain plants that um, will like phosphorus um, or low phosphorus or no phosphorus uh, uh, potting mix, which you can easily get at any um, uh, nursery or, or hardware store that sells plants. Um, so that's going to um, eliminate any issues there, uh, particularly for plants in the Proteaceae family. Um, but uh, but having said that, though, plants like even Steve was mentioning, like your Westringers, et cetera, the... Will, will tolerate you know normal potting mix and uh, and will grow well. So look, uh, native plants do grow well in pots and survive well. I have to whip through these relatively quickly. So what I might do is uh, I know you've got a re- uh, you sent me a lovely list and we can't go through all of them. So if it's all right with you, we'll put the plants that you uh, mentioned uh, in next week's Good Gardening newsletter. And now we go. What's at the top of your list? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Steve sort of touched on the on some of the uh, West Ringers. I mean, he, he mentioned Naringa. Now, Naringa's a taller growing one that um, if, if anyone's going to grow a hedge, you know, you know, in the ground, that's one that you, you, you'd certainly wouldn't you'd certainly look at. But the smaller ones like the Ozbox and the Greybox are fabulous in in pots. They only stay quite small um, and can be clipped into a you know a, a pyramid or a dome. Um, very reliable. And another one that I've talked about before are the Acminas. Now, there's a small one called Little Ruby. Um, this plant just keeps on giving. It sort of it grows and then it stops and hardens and it grows more. It's got lovely sort of, um, well, as the name suggests, Ruby, uh, sort of reddish maroon new growth. And you could turn that into a, into a sphere, into a pyramid. If you wanted to strip it up from the, uh, if, from the, the ground up, you could, you could uh, standardise it. A brilliant plant and really tough. So they prune back into old wood um, and are very reliable. So the Acmena, um, sorry, the um, yeah, the Acmena smithii little ruby is a um, is a really reliable plant. Okay, um, righto. There's uh, the first, oh, there's two. You've got your West Ringers, your Acmenias. Uh, so number three. Let's go. Let's go for a couple of new, uh, a couple of new ones. There's um, over at. Um, Kings Park, the amazing um, botanic gardens in Western Australia, they, they actually grow um, uh, and crossbreed new plants. They've released a range of kangaroo paw, um, one of which you won't believe this, John, is a blue-flowering kangaroo paw. Kangaroo paw. Um, so it's called Masquerade, and if you just want to Google it, it's just the most amazing plant. Now, they spend five, ten years um, uh, getting these plants right for um, you know to be sold uh, to be sold at uh, at nursery, so they've been tried and tested well. So um, a blue flowering kangaroo paw, you know, you know, in a pot or the garden um, would be certainly absolutely a tall brilliant. Pot. Okay, <clears throat> right up. The next one, um, another another weird and wonderful one that you could try. Most people or some people might have heard of a plant called Mulla Mulla. Um, its uh, Catholic name is Talotus. Um, anyone who's been through Central Australia or the Pilbara in Western Australia would see the fields of this beautiful um, sort of pink and white, or most, mostly pink flowering, Mulla Mulla um, uh, flowering. There's a new perennial version, so a plant that will perpetuate year after year that has a pink and white flower. They're beautiful sort of feathery tops on them. So Absolutely. if you're into your, into your interesting uh, natives, that's certainly a plant that will survive well in a pot. All right. Telotus is a lovely little plant, and people need to look at that one and have a good look at it because that's a beautiful little garden plant. And knowing my spelling, I'm not going to have a go so, at it. Can you please yeah, spell sure, Telotus yeah, for sure, us? Yeah, so make sure you put a, a P at the... It's a, there's got a solid P in that one. P-T-I-L-O-T-I-S, Telotus, it's uh, pronounced, but it's got a P at the front. <laughs> if you just Google Mulla Mulla, um, is, uh, and Mulla Mulla, incidentally, is, uh, I used to live in Central Australia for a while, and uh, the Aboriginal name for that is pretty but useless. So it's a plant's a name. It, uh, it is a lovely plant, and I think a lot of people will be surprised and say, oh, it looks too delicate, but you're saying it, it, it adapts well to growing in a container. Well, this yeah, it does. Again, the, the free drainage, it will want a little bit, of, it will want sun, and this new variety is a, is a perennial, so it's not something that you, you, know, you have to worry about, you know, um, it, you know, just flowering and then dying off, so it should perpetuate. I haven't, it's only really new on the market, so it's, um, I haven't, uh, you know, trial to get myself, but it's something I'd be very interested in having a look at. All right, one more, uh, uh, Jamie. Um, let's get, look. I love look. I love the leptospermas. I don't think they're used nearly enough. They've got such beautiful little flowers. 
on them. There's um, one called White Wave, which only gets to about 50 centimetres high, um, has a, a lovely um, five-petaled flower, as they typically do. Um, flowers in sort of late winter, spring. Um, super tough, um, just, you know, a really, really good, um, hardy plant that will survive well in a pot and can be, you know, trimmed up into, into shape as well. All right, so that's Leptospermum uh, White Wave. And uh, as we mentioned, we'll try and get as many of those names into the next week's Good Gardening newsletter as well as those put forward by Steve Linfield. Sorry for the short time there, Jamie, but uh, life goes on and the questions are coming in on other areas and we need to talk very shortly about small white snails. Catch you later on. See you, John. Thanks, Jamie. Jamie McElwain, a wonderful landscaper, joins us regularly. Deb says, I have a legacy flame grevillea and it's just beautiful. Jessie says, for rue-resistant plants, I've seen wattles and mallee flowering in areas with many rues. Also suggests some sacrificial salt bush and blue bush for the rues. Dave says, Eremophila longifolia is beautiful, small tree and long flowering. Sue in Bellevue Heights says the grey lav is impossible to buy at the moment. So some of these you have to maybe look a little bit harder for. Um, Someone saying the Coria Barossa gold is very good. And Trevor says Grevillea Levan, I can't say Levangelacy. it. Thank you, Levangelacy. Attract wildlife as a ground cover on show at the Barossa Bush Gardens in Nuriutpa. Thanks, Trevor. And Dave says, we have two out of three Coria in the garden facing the lake at West Lakes. They have died. Do they like coastal areas? Oh, yes, yes. Okay. I mean, they're very, very adaptable. So I'd be taking a look at uh, either wet feet or drying out during summer and then suddenly getting uh, wet feet. But uh, Yeah, okay. Well, and Linda at Sandy Creek says, Hardenbergia com. Comptonia. No, you're doing well there. Pretty winter flowering plant. Thank you very much. And Jane from Burnside. Lovely. Loved Steve's information there. There was certainly a lot. Well, we're going back to general talk back gardening now. So call in with your questions for John on 1300 222 891. This is Talk Back Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe on ABC Radio Adelaide. South Australia and Broken Hill. You may have an Australian native question or you may have a question about any other plant in your garden. Call in on 1300 222 891. Lisa in Mildura has. Good morning, Lisa. Hi. I have about 30 metres of established Korean box, about 40 centimetres high. Every year I'm getting decimated with two spotted mites for probably about the last three or four years and I've tried neem oil, I've tried um, predatory mites one year and I've also tried a specific chemical miticide last year and I've just gone in to spray it two or three weeks ago in the canopy with um, a winter oil but I'm wondering if there's anything else you can suggest and is it possible to use lime sulphur during the dormant period Sure. Okay. Let's take a look at that. You say it's mites. Are you sure yes, it's, the problem is mites? Definitely seen them. I've got a magnifying glass and I've had a good look at them and I can see the damage on them as well, right on, on I, the leaves. Yeah, right. Are silvery. they on the top of the leaf or on the underside of the leaf? Both. Sometimes it's all over because we get such hot, hot, dry weather here. They just proliferate at That's certain right. times. Yeah. And, and is there webbing, uh, webbing around the mites? Uh, not so much. I had that once on a rose nearby, but yeah. not so much. No webbing. 
Mm. Uh, no, I just sort of think that uh, there are little thrips, uh, other sap-sucking insects, which cause... Yeah, no, I've, I've tapped them onto white paper and also onto my hand, and okay, I can see right them crawling up. around. All right, so yeah. your question here. Um, there are... N- Mites are very, very difficult. They're not insects. They are mm. um, the spider family, and uh, they don't... Uh, they're not affected by many of the insecticides and the chemicals that that, that they are affected by. They become resistant. They they breed so quickly. They be, mm-hmm. develop their own resistance. Your best bet is sulphur. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, and putting on a, a white oil now is good. That will smother mm-hmm. eggs and, yep. uh, and reduce uh, the population before we get into a new season. And then mm-hmm. uh, um, use your white oil during winter. And in yep. springtime, I would be using wettable sulphur. Wettable yep. sulphur. It's very, is that very the same effective. As lime, so lime sulphur? That's, is that lime sulphur? That's not like lime wet. sulphur, no. Lime sulphur ah. is uh, diff- very different. Um, okay. Lime sulphur, if you put it on when the plants are growing, you're, uh, on evergreen plants, you probably burn the foliage. Um, right. It depends on, on a concentration and, and you look at the label directions. Some There are yep. v- versions of it out there that you can use. But uh, okay. wettable sulphur is much better. Use it yep. when uh, we, the, say, end of September, when conditions are starting to get a little bit warmer. And what happens mm-hmm. is it's volatile and as it, it vaporizes, that also has uh, uh, an effect of just reducing their ability to breed rapidly. So, okay. and, and you could use that probably. Uh, at least uh, uh, two applications uh, uh, early spring and probably early summer and if you've still Mm -hmm. got a problem you could put on another application in autumn and in the very cool part of the day or at night even oh yes uh, absolutely sorry about that yes should i yep and should i be trying to get that into the canopy inside or all over the leaves no 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 get get your spray get it fairly fine so that it it drifts into the plant, gets on both sides of the leaves, and lots of it. Um, it so you, you you spray the leaves; so it's not dripping onto the ground, but uh, yep. you get lots of the concentration there. And as I say, as the temperatures go up, uh, it becomes volatile, and that gives you yep. a, an extra bonus. Oh, okay. Awesome. Well, good that luck with that, Lisa. Good. It Thank sounds you like so a, much. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you very Lisa. Much. Thank you to everyone listening in Victoria at the moment. Andrew is in Urbray. Andrew, you want to contain the size of a flowering gum that's actually in a pot. Good morning. Uh, good morning, John Depp. Yes, um, I've been for years trying to um, put these flowering gums out in the garden, etc., and uh, losing quite a few of them. I found the secret, I think, now. One is good drainage, but the other is putting it in a pot. And I did that in a half a wine barrel. And uh, it's growing so well. I I used a mix that uh, wasn't exactly like the ones you buy. Um, But anyway, it's going so well that it's over my head now. And I'm just wondering uh, what what happens. Uh, I don't know. I think it's on silky oak or something, isn't it, that they put them. Uh, for grafted ones, and they're about seventy or eighty dollars. So I don't want to lose it. Yes, I and understand just, that. Yes. Um, uh, well, pr- the pruning of, of a gum tree is, is is a topic in its own. Um, it, it depends on which type you've got. Um, do you know which species? No, it's a, it's a light pink one. It's a, it's huge. It, 
uh, a huge number of uh, blooms on it. Yeah, no, no. Um, again, it comes back to sort of uh, the actual species of it. Uh, what I'd suggest is uh, the best thing to slow it down is tip prune often. So look at the main branches and your main branches. If you take the tips, and you might take uh, two sets of leaves uh, when you take the tips out of your main branches and your side branches, if you still want to slow it down even more, is take the tips out of uh, the strongest side branches. And if you right. do that uh, on a regular basis, that will you'll end up with a, a smaller and more compact shape and that's probably about the best advant- advice I can give without knowing uh, the variety. At, at what stage should I possibly transplant and put it out in the, uh, dig a big hole? And Is that the ultimate that I'll have to do, do you think, or can I keep on pruning for years? Um, I think you should be able to, if it's in a, a large container, a, a half a wine barrel, um, it may be that once it's well and truly established, uh, just get a, a trowel and go down one side and see are the roots getting to the side. And right. uh, sometimes you'll find that uh, the, the roots will start to go round. And what I'd be doing is is um, root pruning one side a year. So you get your uh, trowel and go down one side and come in probably two or three centimetres from the uh, edge of the container and take soil out and cut any roots there. And then the next year you do the side opposite. And then the next year you do the the, the the other side, one of the sides, so that each year you're taking a slice of soil and roots out of the root system, and that's a very very good way of uh, retaining its size. Good luck with that, Andrew. Thanks for the call. June has called in from Taparu with a poinsettia question. Hi, June. Oh, good morning. Yes, it's a Christmas poinsettia. Which you understand what that is? Yes, uh, I've I had it for do. coming up two years this Christmas. It's in a small uh, four-inch square pot. Uh, it's doubled in size. And I'm just wondering, if I put it outside in a pot, would it revert to type? Um, well, poinsettias don't normally uh, flower in summer. Uh, <laughs> they're flowering now. Um, mm. And uh, so... If you put them in the garden, that's your, your autumn. You'll, you'll get you'll get your colour in autumn and into winter. Um, but they will thrive, and you'll be surprised at how big a shrub you've got there in a container. It's 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 containing its size. Um, if you put it in the garden, it will grow. It will have lots and lots of green leaves, and probably in autumn you might get some little coloured bracts there. Um, and it'll eventually turn up to be probably, you know, two or three metres high, may even bigger. Right. So I remember them as a child, you know, that they were nice and red. But seeing this one has been, you know, how they breed it for Christmas. Yeah, well, people buy them at Christmas time for their colour and then they put mm. them in the garden and wonder why they don't go red next pre- uh, summer. But they are artificially... The, uh, the, they're manipulated by light and, and mm. they put them in darkness and then bring uh, put the light on them and that stimulates them to produce their little bracts. Uh, so but, when would uh, I plant it out into the garden? In springtime. OK. Right. It's doubled in size. It's quite happy. It's in the west. Yeah, no, they're very, very tough little durable plants if you like them. Yeah, Yeah. go for it. Yeah, Yeah. okay. Thanks, Jean. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Uh, Rosemary's in Dulwich with, unfortunately, a sick agapanthus. What is wrong with your agapanthus, Rosemary? Good morning. 
Yes, it's been for a couple of weeks I've been meaning to ring in. Um, I don't quite understand what's gone wrong with it. It's as if it had um, uh, wilted patches along the leaves. Um, I've tried looking. I can't see any uh, um, of those little white fluffy insects. Um, <laughs> that was my um, first question. Um, I thought it might have be. You got, That's have, why I looked before. Yeah. Have you got a large number of them? Yes, the okay. whole border along a, the path. Get a spade while the ground's nice and soft and just take yes. a little slice of a, of a crown and, and dig that down and dig it up and, and wash it out and take a look at the root system. You might yes. be surprised that you can't see the little mealy bugs, but they're down in the root system <sighs> and right. they're causing the problem. Um, yes. If the soil is wet, if it's poor drainage, you'll find that instead of nice little uh, bone-coloured root systems, they're, they're, all the tips are black and even the roots themselves might be black. That's a drainage problem. So, ah, well, it's right next to where the box gutter exits the roof. Oh, OK. Well, they don't... <laughs> you know, they're, they're, yeah, wet feet is an Achilles heel. So I think digging <laughs> them up and having a look at the root system will tell you yes. uh, whether you've got wet feet or not. And if you've got wet feet, okay. you need to do something about the, the water that's coming towards them. OK, that's lovely. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling in, Rosemary. Lovely to hear from you. Just on the issue of um, keeping eucalypts in pots, uh, Matt Sharp, the president of the SA Bonsai Society, has sent through oh. a text saying eucalypts can be root pruned and kept in pots quite happily. Prune when there's a pause in growth and remove a third of the roots. You can have your little bonsai eucalypt. How about that? Yes. And I think probably uh, normally about showtime, well, we're in the lovely bonsai displays at the shows, we'll probably talk to one of the bonsai people. And if I can remember to remember. Yes, <laughs> let's, exactly. Let's talk about uh, how to uh, bonsai some of the plants that uh, normally are grow a little bit bigger than a normal bonsai. Exactly. And Andrew and Herbray, I hope you were listening to that. Uh, Leslie is in McGill. Now, your lemon tree is very tall, Leslie. Yes. Yes. Good morning. It's very, it's starting to get, um, well, it's a lot taller than me. Um, and I, it's just like one sort of branch sticking up and I was thinking of trimming it down. Um, and I suffer from this poor tree suffers from uh, a bit of gall wasp, which I treat with the white spray, the clay spray, and uh, it's uh, a poor fruiting sort of lemon. It's established, but it's poor fruiting. Can I um, do? I, should I paint the when I clip it? Should I paint the um, the ends with anything, or just what? Uh, clay spray it again or no, I think you need to get it back into good is it putting on reasonable growth or it's, it's not growing yeah it's, right. it's growing it's just it's kind of scraggly and, and lovely leaves but All just right. no well, fruit if you're going to prune it uh, wait until springtime and I think uh, uh, so long as you've got good, healthy soil and it's putting on reasonable growth, um, you might have to sacrifice lemons if you're going to get any. Uh, but in springtime, I would be early in, very early in springtime, uh, during September, prune it back to whatever shape you want to, bearing in mind that will stimulate it into new growth. And the new so, growth, if you tip prune that often, I think you can get it back into shape reasonably well. Okay. 
Great. Thank you so much. I'll do that. Thanks for and calling. I don't put anything on the end. Yeah. Okay. Thank mm. you. Thanks, Leslie. Yes, um, we are talk about gardening this morning. We're going to be talking about white snails in the survey that John's undertaking in just a moment. But if you have not won anything from ABC Radio Adelaide in the last month and you would like to get your hands on a copy of the July ABC Gardening Australia magazine, then call in now on 1300 222 891, 1300 891 and you might win one of the two magazines we've got to give away right now. Talk Back Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe on ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill. John, I've got a couple of texts here. One from Megan Kadena says, I have two 10-litre buckets, each with one kilogram of salt in a few centimetres of water, collected about five litres of white, round and conical snails in each bucket this season. And then we've got um, a texter at Brooklyn Park saying, terrible infestation of slugs at my brother's house. So... As you predicted, (laughs) slugs and snails are a huge problem, but in particular these imported hitchhiking white snails. Yes, we wondered how widespread are they? And I think uh, the authorities, Persia and uh, uh, Saudi and beyond, and even the garden centres are surprised at uh, what's happening out there. And nobody seemed to know, are they widespread? Are they causing a problem? Uh, Deb and I decided we'd find out ourselves by running a survey through the Good Gardening newsletter. And uh, the surveys are coming in thick and fast. And uh, the survey will close on Monday. So if you've got snails, get the Good Gardening newsletter. And all you do is click on the survey, fill it in, please. But uh, just some preliminary results. We can confirm that white snails, small white snails, are a problem across our suburbs. Right across our suburbs, would you believe, the biggest concentrations are in the Adelaide Hills and, would you believe, Flurio Peninsula. Really? Absolutely. The round snails are more prevalent than the conical or the cone-type snails. And... uh, what else can we give away at this stage without uh, despoiling the story? Um, yeah, they're out there, and, and obviously uh, they've been introduced into gardens. Mainly, the biggest concern is straw, uh, uh, pea straw and hay coming in from uh, garden uh, from uh, farming areas where uh, the snails are a problem. So that's a preliminary. Definitely, it's a problem. And I think that in uh, next week we'll we'll have a full details of that, and maybe we need to go back to one of our snail entomologists yes. and give us some sense as to what the information uh, is all about. Mm. But certainly, thank you very much for those that have filled in, and the more information we get, the better, and will help because we need to once we've got some conclusions, go to the authorities and say, righto, what are you going to do about it? These are home gardeners. They're being ignored at the moment from a snail's point of view. What uh, information can we give to home gardeners Mm. that will reduce the problem and prevent damage? Well, this texture is saying, I found that the small conical snails will happily eat the lawn. So they are creating havoc, uh, no doubt about it. So jump on John Lamb's Good Gardening newsletter. That's J 
G-O-N, Lamb, Good Gardening Newsletter and provide that information before Monday. Great thing to do this weekend if you're inside and keeping warm. And congratulations to Heather in Port Lincoln and Andrew in McGill who have won the July ABC Gardening Australia magazines today. Now, John, uh, horticulture entries into the Royal Adelaide Show close I think on the 21st of July. Yes, they come. that date is coming up very, very, very quickly. And I think it's just a beautiful idea to sort of be able to be part of the show. And there are so many different types of uh, areas where you can enter your plants or your bonsais or whatever it might be, scarecrows. But, uh, yeah, be part of it. And the important thing is one of the big displays at the show, of course, are the orchids. And uh, the entries for the orchid show are now open. So... Uh, uh, and that they close on the 18th of August. They're a little bit later, but uh, certainly get your entries in and uh, you can do that by uh, how? <laughs> well, easy. the easiest way is to go to the website. <laughs> if you put in Royal Adelaide Show or Royal Agricultural and Horticultural Society competitions, you'll find horticulture has got its own little page. And if you go into that, it will have all of the dates and the things that you need to do in order to uh, get your flowers or your plants, whatever it is that you're going to put into the competition in. And as Brett Draper told us recently, if you've not entered before, look out for the novice levels of the competition. Yes. And that way you're not going up against the people that know exactly what to do and how to win the gold ribbons or the blue ribbons, I should say. Um, and you might find you've got a better chance. Yes, you get a blue ribbon for being a novice this year and next year you can have a go at sort of the middle size and then uh, eventually you end up with a championship ribbon. <laughs> exactly. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere. Um, and Anne says to you, uh, loves, lo- loves the smile in your voice, John. Just thought I'd Give that feedback to you? Oh, well. <laughs> and he is smiling. I'm sitting across the desk yeah, from him. Yeah, so. no, no, I love doing the program. One day I'm going to have to stop, but not today. No, definitely just, not. Just, just going to one side very, very quickly, soil temperatures. Mm. Interesting, soil temperatures increased, would you believe, slightly last week. Uh, the temperatures were a little bit warmer than average, and that's reflected in the soil temperature. So at 10 centimetres, soil temperatures at the moment are 10.7 uh, and that's pretty cold. And at 20 centimetres, they're 11.1. Uh, and uh, that's probably about a degree, one and a half degrees above average for this time of the year. They'll probably drop a little bit more. And then with a little bit of luck as we get into August, we'll start to see them go back up again and we can talk about it. But it just start watching soil temperatures now. It will have a big influence on spring when it happens mm. and also when you can start planting your summer vegetables and flowers and putting in the things that you like to grow in your garden. Well, more signs that spring's here early. Anne says, I pruned roses in May before the rain and have some leaves. I did it early as they were starting to shoot. They're in black plastic pots in Hawthorne, Dean. And Debit Monato says, we have some asparagus spears popping up already. Oh, goodness. Also, I found a blowfly inside yesterday and thought it was strange because I wasn't even cooking. Changing from uh, that area to frost. We're going to get some frosts and if you're in a frost prone area just watch out we're going to get some fairly cold nights and if you've got lots of plants growing in containers just lifting the pots up probably half a meter above ground level can make a very significant difference half so a meter half, or? half a meter what wow, I so, no that's quite yeah. so that's quite high though 
Oh, yeah, but well, the thing is, you, they're, they're sitting on the ground, and uh, that's the coldest area, all the cold temperatures down there. Put them on a bench, which is only half a metre high, or a metre high is even better, uh, or maybe putting your plants against a wall so it gets the warmth during the day, or maybe putting them under uh, where there's a canopy, uh, your, your um, garage or your... your, your Pagola is the word I'm yeah. trying to think of. Yeah, anyway, so watch out for frost and uh, we'll have more to say about uh, putting colour in your garden next week and also snails, the survey. And until next week, I'll say good gardening.